Hello, welcome to another Azure Centering podcast on our Azure Weekly Update Show. My name is Marcos Nogueira, and we and with me I have Angelos. Andrew, it's been a long time that we are that we are not together, at least with our regular conversation. Uh, a lot of things happen, yeah. family issues, right? That we never wanted. Work too much work, too much. At the end of the <laughs> year, of it's 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 crazy, right? Crazy times. Yeah, you know, it's just been it's been busy. There's been some family things, and there's been uh, lots and lots of work to do. Right? These are uh, some some difficult things to work through that we all face as humans uh, in you know uh, the modern world. And then uh, we've also had a lot of uh, kind of last minute uh, crunch for yes. projects coming in for end of year, like you say. And, yeah. um, I think, you know, there, there's been a lot of, um, a lot of companies have had that challenge and we've been pretty lucky in that. Way, right? yeah. So, uh, we were talking and we said, Hey, you know what? Um, we're a bit overdue. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we should record. And of course, uh, no end of technical challenges because uh, why not throw that in the mix today too? <laughs> exactly. Why not? We're talking about updates and we cannot, we're going like, this is like what, the 57th time that we are trying to record? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Take 39. Exactly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, see, and I think everybody you know who, who already follows us knows uh, we don't cut. Um, if we mess something up, we just apologize. Exactly. Going. Exactly. Uh, and, so, and, and it's uh, a good segue. Said, it's a good segue because uh, Calgary and Alberta, right? Uh, it's where, where we are. Um, it's been lately, uh, we've been having issues. That's a curious part with the film industry. They are mm -hmm. cutting out, uh, in this case, streets. They are doing that and it says, we never had that problem before, and now and nope. now it's like it's a new thing. Yeah. It's it's cameras everywhere, and it's like series on on this is us. It's filming here in Calgary, and and a lot of those 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 things is filming. It's interesting. So yeah, there's been some big name sh shows, uh, big yeah. stars kind of coming through the whole well, the whole province really, just Absolutely. kind of from the. From Lethbridge, and uh, I know down Fort McLeod, they've had a lot of uh, Ghostbusters. I think, for example, really, uh, yeah, nice. <laughs> it was uh, really cool, right? Yeah. Um, so you know, they're the these big film crews, and I know Vancouver. You're gonna say, "Hey, uh, we're used to it. Yes, it's cool. You get to see all the movie stars." So I don't do a lot other than work stuff exactly <laughs> and, and i know this because i have to confess um this weekend uh, i was seeing the last episode for example of yellowstone uh, without any type of of branding and the guy uh, one the kid was asking uh, one of the cowboys saying what is the best rodeo and he mentioned Stampede in Calgary, Alberta, and say, "Wow, yeah, we are famous really? now. It's not only YouTube now on this channel, but we are famous." <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so that's that's a good segue, I think, too, because 
uh, one of the interesting things, even though we've been, uh, and I will uh, be very honest, and I apologize to all of our dedicated followers and listeners, we have not been consistent because no. we've been uh, kind of distracted with real life. Um, and uh, we always endeavor to kind of improve. So we're, we're, we've talked about it. We're going to get better. We promise. Yes. <laughs> but um, it didn't slow down on uh, the YouTube channel uh, no. even, right? No. So it, everybody kept watching videos and it's been growing. And I know that you usually love to say this, but I'm going to take my turn as well. Thank you very much. And remember, like and subscribe. Uh, smash that like button. <laughs> and hey, if you love an episode, give us a thumbs up. Um, if you're uh, not as happy with an episode, hey, give us a thumbs down, put a comment, exactly. and let us know. Exactly. We don't discriminate. Uh, just give us some raw honesty. We're good with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So it, it's been fantastic. And, uh, you know, you right there. That's right. You at home. You're the reason that we do this. So uh, let us know what you think. Uh, weigh in. Good, bad, other. Tell us what you're giving somebody for Christmas. Uh, kind of a... a if there's another nerd in your life, let us know exactly. uh, what you're going to share for this holiday season. Um, uh, I brought my my Christmas bling today. Yes, <laughs> I think I, I see that your attire for this episode is like top notch, like bow tie and everything <laughs> else. I feel like underdressed for this episode. I, I was going to go full penguin suit. But oh, I thought, my uh, God. No, I don't have that. <laughs> Sorry. Start to disappoint you, but I don't have that. I don't have one in the cupboard. It's okay. <laughs> okay, it's time to roll and get back to the updates. Let's roll then. So, welcome back. And let's jump without any further ado on the first episode or the first uh, update is the general availability of wildcard listener on application gateway and i have to say that this usually it's not one of the things that we recommend it's like using <laughs> wildcard certificates but it's nice to have because i have to confess that not very long time ago um, I was uh, on a project that I had some some sites um, and uh, in the middle of the project that I was doing an upgrade right to to in this case the web apps application we were using application gateways to filtering all the traffic as we should yeah. right but in the middle of that process we discovered that the certificate needs to be renewed and the issue with all the sites that we had is we had to renew each one of the certificates. Uh, right now, now it, this is GA. It's always happened like that, right? When you need it, it doesn't have that feature. But when you already pass all of that work, now the feature becomes <laughs> available, right? <laughs> exactly. But it's always the way. I, I, I know we've had some technical <laughs> glitches today. Total deja vu talking about this. But um, I think one of the things that we uh, we think about when we have the wild card is like you say the wild card certificates right so um again i'm gonna pick on contoso because it's you know the example we have in our ms docs reference guide uh guidelines right Absolutely. so when we think about 
um, app gateway and allowing that host-based routing, we really want to use kind of named sites, named certificates when we can. So there's lots of use cases when we can use wildcards as well. So internal depth test, kind of app development, uh, proof of concepts, uh, so on and so on, right? So kind of when we have the ability to utilize um, the wildcard, we absolutely should um, when it's safe to do so within all of the security parameters. So. Uh, I know we've both talked with many of our customers at length about um, kind of the security requirements around named certificates, named sites. Um, so we're not going to, I don't think, uh, at least I don't plan on deep diving on that one today. But I think when it comes to the ability to wildcard our, our URLs, it's a really nice change, right? Because like you say, this always comes after we're finished a big project <laughs> implementing a whole bunch of a whole bunch of individually named things. But this is one of the things that can really help us uh, save quite a lot of time. Right? Absolutely. So we can uh, host you know multiple web applications on a single IP address. Yes. We can consolidate the use of our uh, application gateways down a little bit and kind of save a little bit of that Azure spend and maybe build out a, a, a bit more powerful backend server yep. to help uh, handle all of that great traffic that's going to come through because you got to spend money on marketing. You know, exactly. And, and, and that's a very nice way to put it. Although with this, the, the possibility that is around this, it's, it's tremendous because first and foremost, uh, with one listener, what's called the wildcard listener, you can have up to five host names. Okay, per listener, uh, which allows you even to mismatch what you're having on the back. So even if following exactly the same document, for example, that you mentioned uh, on the docs, um, for multi multiple site hosting, is you can uh, you can allow on one wildcard, for example, to have uh, virtual machines, something like that. Mm -hmm. On the different wildcard, right, for a different domain, you can have web apps. So it doesn't need to be exactly the same uh, end, uh, or in this case, hostname or backend. You can, in this case, consolidate and be able to use with one single IP. And that's the part that is really crucial because usually you use static IP for those, right? Mm -hmm. you, don't, you don't use dynamic. So you can reduce the number of IPs to just have a centralized app gateway to filter in this case, all of that traffic, right? And have all of those backends supporting or be, be, in this case, being filtered by a single app gateway. So it's it's fairly good um, that I have to say regarding this update, it's, it's awesome and it allows you to do a lot of other things, right? Absolutely, right? So yeah, you can kind of refocus on uh, other things because this is going to make your implementation a little bit quicker. Um, I also really love, uh, it's kind of maybe a bit old school how we used to do the subsites with IIS and things like that. Yeah. But you can do the subdomains because of the wildcards, right? So yes. you can do like xyz.star.whatever.com, right? And you can have uh, kind of, there's there's some open possibilities Absolutely. to kind of consolidate and you can nest things. So um, really great. And thank you for mentioning the static IPs because um, that's another kind of a very important layer that we have to make sure we have deployed properly on 
the uh, on the application gateway. Yeah, absolutely. The next update is dear to our heart. Okay, it's the general availability of VPN gateway NAT. So Azure VPN NAT, the NAT address translation, okay, supports now the overlapping address space between your on-premise uh, branch networks and your Azure networks. So finally, we can have NAT. So it means that this we can support a one-to-one -one static NAT and one-to-many uh, dynamic NAT. This allows us... Okay, and this is the important part that we always over that allow us to do one thing that, and this is going to be a deja vu again, using your words, of a project, a big project we had of overlapping addresses. Remember that project? Mm -hmm. I, I know the one <laughs> which you refer to, yes. So, yeah, we don't encounter that too often no. um, at that scale, but... Uh, it's a real challenge. And, uh, you know, as enterprise continues to grow and consumption of IP addresses is a real challenge in like in the real world, um, we're going to run into that more and more, I think, especially as kind of IP4 starts to hit that kind of, uh, uh, what is, what's the word I'm looking for? Critical mass? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But so that was one of the interesting things with this as well, right? Yeah. Is this allows us to do uh, connect an IPv6 network to an IPv4 network as well using NAT64, right? Yeah. So um, that's pretty cool, I have to say. Yeah. So, and, and this allows, in this case, a lot of organizations, and then we see that, that movement a lot of organizations using, for example, um, Azure in this case, as a, a kind of a starting point, as a kind of a sandbox environment, right? And they're starting to see the value and they're starting to develop that. And after, after that development, right, they are starting to say, okay, we should consider now using. And, and using in this case, or in this case, bridging uh, between the Azure and on-premise. But one of the rules before this, right, before this GA, before the VPN, was that you cannot overlap because of the routing, especially if you want to adopt the BGP one, right? Exactly. And and with this, allows you, in this case, on your VPN gateway, to not changing anything that you have on that environment, even if you want to use that environment on the hybrid scenario, but allows you to just be able to uh, reuse that without any issues if you want to. Even if you want, for example, and uh, and this is just come to my mind, is if you, even if you want to test applications that they are hard-coded with IPs and all mm -hmm. of that, okay, that usually they are custom and new development and they are legacy, right? And you want to test them, for example, on the cloud and they need to come to some kind of let's say file share on premise or any other other application allows them to just test the Azure um, and be able to create a VPN gateway uh, with this NAT that it doesn't impact at all what it have in production or we have in any type of shape or form. So the possibilities are tremendous with this and, and it's really nice to see that 
still is still on the um, Azure Cloud Adoption Framework that you should not overlap. Okay, it's still there. It's still the best recommendation. It's still the best practice. But it, yep. there are some scenarios that the NAT, this VPN NAT gateway is going to be the difference, right? Yeah, and I I loved what you were saying around hard-coded IPs and legacy applications, for example. So maybe we've lost access to the code or we're not able to recompile because we're locked into licensing. Things like, like these are these are real problems that happen oh, yeah. for legacy legacy applications, right? And when that happens, now this gives us an option to be able to do a bit of lift and shift. So uh, you know, I always, I'm a, as you know, I'm a big supporter of um, Azure VMware services, the AVS implementation, because it allows for that rapid lift and shift into cloud and give business a little bit of scalability and uh, disaster recovery. But in this case, it's that same style of flexibility, right? So the natting is really going to allow us to extend our applications, even when tied to on-prem IP ranges from legacy configs. And we're going to be able to do a little bit more with them Absolutely. in that way. We we can extend the lifetime, um, get things fixed. It means that we can lower the cost of redevelopment or redeployment, all those kinds of things, and take some time and problem solve without the rush, without the pressure and expense of do it right now. So Absolutely. I think this is a really great uh, option. And the more I think about it, the more I like it. But you're right, important to note that uh, the cloud adoption framework absolutely recommends we not overlap our address uh, yes. spaces but i will also say it happens <laughs> it happens as well although i want to just talk about two important points regarding this uh, uh ga or this announcement that first of all first and foremost it's not all the skews of your uh vpn in this case you have these available usually from if I remember, it's just the top top ones, as you can always imagine, right? Because it's something. And it's not open for all of the VPNs. So, for example, the v, VNet to VNet VPN that you might, you might want, it's not available. And on the, the, the P2S, so in this case, private to site, uh, or, or private to site, yes, connections are not supported. So, basically... NAT is supported on IPsec, in this case, cross-premises connections only. Um, and, and I think it's important because, um, again, this is not to be applicable for everything. Uh, we should not use, it is not, not, you should not use this. This is not following the best practice. I think it's the right way to say, as we already mentioned exactly. over here. But it's important that we have this available for those type of scenarios and other, other scenarios that we didn't, we didn't talk about it, right? It, uh, exactly, yeah. So the SKUs uh, that it's uh, uh, applicable on are the VPN uh, gateway two through five, so kind of the bigger ones. So this is really geared to uh, solving enterprise-grade yes. challenges, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, the other thing that we should uh, maybe mention, um, look into how your BGP configuration will work mm -hmm. with this. And make sure you research that carefully, uh, because 
uh, the the BGP can really um, <laughs> well uh, Facebook. That's all I'm going to say, right? It can absolutely catch us up. Um, it's, it can be a bit of a trick. So it happens to the best of us. Not to pick on uh, you know just one uh, company or anything other. Yeah, exactly. Um, that I think that was just uh, how it plays out, and um, probably BGP was just one of the problems. Config management, I would say, would be a bigger challenge in that case, not necessarily the BGP itself. So um, anyways, enough said. I'm not here to pick on anything. That's okay. Let's move to the next one. And the next one, it's a pretty cool one. Azure load testing, it's now in public preview. So Azure load test testing is a full managed Azure service that enables our good friends developers, okay? And testers to generate high scale load and run simulations with custom G meter scripts to gain actionable insights and to catch the fixed performance. And I just read what it, what it is over there. So basically, it's nothing more than a simple process to automate your CICD pipelines, right? And now you have this tool that it's going to test your application regarding loading. Because a lot of those times, right, we have those environments. And I remember my my early times of, of not being a developer, but trying to understand more the developers um, yeah. of the life cycle of the application. Like you develop and then you, you're going to test to just going to bugs, right? And then you're going to the pre-production or, or whatever you want to call it, the environment to just see the, the testing of the load, to just try to test load. And I remember doing that several times for example, with SharePoint, with a lot of sites, right? To three see, to try to see if they can hold the, the load and basically going to production. This one allows you to do that without any issues, right? Absolutely, right. So, so this is the effort from kind of the the containerization side, yes. right? Um, not just geared at developers, but utilization of containers. So using container insights, application insights, uh, combined with Azure Monitor, of which, of course, Azure load testing integrates into these things. So um, the Azure load testing allows us to kind of understand how our application is going to behave under that stress. Mm -hmm. uh, we can do high scale load tasks, and we can see actually the live updates uh, as you conduct that load test. So JMeter, that's something um, I'm going to have to explore a little bit and understand um, what it's modeled after. I have to imagine it's not going to be too far uh, from a lot of our kind of popular languages right now. Uh, so that's something we can always come back to. But one of the cool things is that we can also compare our test results and understand how the application behaves within the load testing capacity over time. Yeah. So as we adapt our application to behave better, deal with load better, scale, do all the things we need it to do, we can compare our results. That's really great because uh, that's what we want to be able to do, right? Yeah. Did the change that we made in our configuration actually improve the behavior of the app under load or did it make it worse somehow? Yeah. Like we we have to understand, uh, and that's the whole process of testing, right? Is we Absolutely. Out, uh, right. Yep. So how do we push that testing out? How do we 
How do we build the tube to push it down? I'm totally leading you here. <laughs> Tell us. Uh, oh, no, it's for you. So, <laughs> so uh, of course, Azure Load Testing is designed to work as a, a CICD uh, workflow, right? Yeah. So, uh, tube, uh, I was trying to get you to say it, but I couldn't, sorry. We can use pipelines to deploy our, our load testing. So, this is a very flexible, very easy to adapt, and very easy to use. Yeah. And then very easy to report on out of Azure Monitor. Absolutely. So what a great tool this is. I remember reading about this um, kind of the day when they released it, I got the news alert and I was really excited about this because this is something that we can utilize, not just against containers, but I see this really growing as a tool and expanding the availability across Azure for lots of things. Absolutely. Um, not, not to forget, Azure released a little um, a little Gremlin tool as well, right? Yeah. Uh, recently, to help us uh, test in uh, kind of unknown scenarios. Hey, what if we uh, just pull this network plug out over yeah. here and see what happens? And we cover right, so. we cover in in one of the last episodes uh, on the show. Uh, absolutely. But what a, what a, for me, this is literally a, a, a tool that, as you guys already understand, that we can use it because it's in preview, first of all. But when we, when I, I was reading this, when it, it came available, right? This, this announcement, the part that I think is, is crucial, and this is directly to us, is a lot of those times, okay? When, we, when you're trying to customize, when we have an app that is it's on CICD and we are trying to, to develop that app and all of that, a lot of, especially the, the, the C-level, the executives is, is going to ask, how much are you going to cost me? And, and in this case, with Azure, we know that we pay as we go, right? But a lot of those times, if we predict, for example, if we have like 2 million uh, or something like that, as, as those numbers starting to grow, we don't have any idea how much that's going, going to cost Precisely, or at least in this case, it's not precise. With more precise precision, that we want besides a very bold guess. With this, like like you mentioned, we have besides the historical data to compare. Like, okay, the version one, it was this metrics, right? The version two, it have different metrics. So why we have the application slower? And now we can drill down to see what's going on on the application. Exactly. Okay. Besides that, we have the other the other information that is because we know how much is going to be consumed regarding resources. We can map that to the costs to the effectiveness cost of the application row, uh, uh, growing and using on those numbers. And now we can literally with this test almost kill several birds in one stone and and, and i'm not a, a, a here as animal aggressive it's just an expression right <laughs> so tell us what have you got against birds anyways <laughs> nothing i don't have anything i i just hope so that no bird uh it just poop on me and i'm very very pleased 
that cows doesn't fly. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, we'd be in big trouble here, especially in Alberta, I have to admit. Oh, my God, a, yes. A, I'm not a vegetarian. But again, we just went out of track again, but that's okay. We did. So so let's come back to cost for a moment. Um, I know you're ready to move on there. I can see the finger on the button. <laughs> Old man Patterson with his finger on the button over there. But we've got uh, Azure pricing tool uh, is really great, right? So if if I can figure out how to design a budget out of this thing, I think anybody who understands finance is going to be way better. So talking in uh, US dollars out of ESUs, uh, East US, wow, that came out as all one word there. Sorry about that. Um, the load testing resource is $10 a month, which includes 50 virtual user hours, and it's 15 cents per virtual user hour up to almost 10,000, and then over that it's seven and a half cents. So what I see when I see this is to scale for 50 user uh, 50 user hours as a, as a bulk load test, it's going to cost 10 bucks US to do that. I challenge you to find a load testing tool that you can deploy for 10 bucks plus config yeah. time. Uh, absolutely. absolutely challenge. Um, I've, I've worked with a few different load testing tools. They're not 10 bucks. I'm going to say, and that. I have to say this, one of my previous, uh, um, jobs that I had, uh, and one of the first that I had here in Canada, um, because at that time, uh, I was as well an MVP, I think. Uh, I got the, the, I remember this, I got the MSTN subscription and I got access to the Visual Studio uh, Enterprise that they didn't have it because that was, I think it's Enterprise. It was the top one and it was like $1,500, something like that, each license. But I got yeah. that as um, on the package to, to use. And I remember that we want to use that, for example, because inside of that package comes the the load test, for example, for for SharePoint, um, and I had to download right on on the computer, uh, put the license on it to be able to use that fixture, just right. for use that fixture uh, to to testing the load of SharePoint and the load balancing and all of that. So with this, I don't need that anymore. Uh, and like you said. Um, 10 bucks, uh, yeah, it's 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 not as expensive as those ultra discs, right? That we mentioned that you <laughs> you need the black card. Uh, in this case, any yeah, kind of card can so, do it. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. So shout out to your local uh, Hyper V uh, MVP, everybody who's <laughs> contributed to Hyper V. Thank you, because virtualization has made the world a better place. <laughs> and. Yes, it really has. There's a lot more green trees out there because of it. Absolutely, um, I think honestly. So, anyways, we should move on yes. because we're barely on the rails here. Let's move on, and and that's the problem of not talking too much and not having this uh, this podcast running and uh, every single week because when we get together again, we're starting to talk too much. But let's let's move on to the next one. Public preview on Azure NetApp Files application volume group for SAP ANA. Again, <laughs> SAP ANA driving all of this. We know, we already talked about uh, uh, how Azure NetApp Files uh, is integrated with SAP ANA, but now 
on the application volume group it's it's on that part of sapana but now it's current in public preview so meaning that it's not available for you to use in in yet in production but you need to submit this on white list of requests for accessing this feature uh, for your sap Anna. okay so first and foremost uh to doing that but non there are a lot of good things about this right absolutely right so so one of the things um that you know azure netapp files really excels at is lowering latency yeah. right so a lot of the kind of the pinning of resources, uh, those high um, I.O. Uh, operations, uh, that's not the word I'm looking for, demanding I.O. operations. Uh, this is really a big step forwards, right? So um, it's going to help a lot with uh, system replication for high availability, but also cross-region replication for uh, regional DR with the storage based replications right yeah absolutely and and it will these application volume groups the the avgs uh as, as they call it right for sap and um, implements a lot of improvements on many technical by simplifying and standardizing the entire process of your streamline on when you deploy those volumes for sap Anna. so for example Instead of creating SAP and volumes like data, log, shared, log backup, file backup, okay, individually, now on application volume, you just select the SAP and and automatically creates that single atomic operation, okay, by those, those that application. So it's pretty cool because now you don't need to go there and starting to do it that on the on the uh, level of that detail. You just create this what's called the application volume group and bang it's way more simple to you to operate right it's pretty cool exactly. make it simple yeah um it's going to really kind of make things much more efficient and i was reading um throughout the kind of the the reference there and they talk about the ppg and when i see ppg uh, so i'm totally going to blow this one away I grew up in a small town. When I see PPG, I think of uh, plate glass manufacturing, not, <laughs> <laughs> not things in Azure. So I was really confused for a moment there, but we're really talking PPG. We're really talking about proximity placement groups. <laughs> so instead of uh, manually pinning your resources to a storage yeah. group, uh, it's automating that again, right? So. Uh, it brings the oh. data, the log, the shared volumes into one spot. So sorry to get that one off track. That's there, okay. That's okay. I, I, thought, I thought I did well. I brought it back. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You went totally off rail and come back again. It's like, it's the bow tie. It's, it, it is. And I think it's like those moments that uh, we have an expression in Portugal saying that you release the firework and you're grabbing the remaining of the firework <laughs> by yourself. Everything you're doing, you got like one man it show. like a fun ride. <laughs> It is, it is. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Uh, general availability of new capabilities in Network Watcher Diagnostic Tool to evaluate AVNM security rules. So AVNM is nothing more than Azure Virtual Network Manager. Okay? Absolutely. Our good friend, the Network Manager. Okay? 
that that is a management service that allows you uh, users to group, configure, deploy, and manage virtual networks globally, okay, across subscriptions. That's basically what is the uh, network manager. Uh, in this case, it's a GA, and now you have new capabilities of the network watcher diagnostic tools to be deployed to evaluate all of those rules, right? Pretty cool. Exactly. Yeah, and the thing that's interesting is the, the um, oh my gosh, network manager, the virtual network manager rules have a higher priority mm -hmm. than NSG rule sets. Yep. So now we're starting to see a lot more centralized uh, management. So uh, I know the last few weeks, you and I have talked with multiple people about uh, Azure Firewall Manager, the policy manager. Uh, we've been centralizing, we've been segmenting networks for our customers, and we've been moving more and more in many client environments towards zero trust methodologies. And this is really important because centralizing the policy management, first with Azure Firewall, next down the line, I think of Azure Virtual Network Manager, and then with NSGs on VNets and subnets. So we, we have a very good hierarchy built out and a way to help us easily implement and manage it, right? So we can understand when we're troubleshooting traffic flows, for example, where we need to investigate, where uh, where that traffic might be getting blocked or uh, allowed <laughs> if we don't want it allowed, right? So um, there's, a, there's a lot of tools available and it is a bit confusing. There's quite a few tool sets that we can take advantage of in this space. But this, I think, is a really good move towards simplifying uh, both the diagnostics of uh, the troubleshooting flow, but also the management of those traffic policies and understanding the hierarchy of those traffic policies. Absolutely. Uh, I, I could not agree more. And, and all of this, it makes your life simple when you're doing all of those uh, rules and, and new capabilities of, of monitoring what's going on on your network by applying applying all of this, right? It's, it's really important uh, to, uh, to have that. On the next update is the general availability of audit logs of Azure Monitor for log queries. So mm -hmm. again, Azure Monitor getting new features in this case, it's the possibility of you having audit logs, right, on log on log queries. Absolutely. So um, I was actually speaking with uh, a, a client this week about enabling diagnostic logs, and this is one way that we, uh, you know, we enable the Azure Diagnostics mechanisms, and we're able to collect those uh, those pieces of data on who ran a query, yeah. when the query was run and what tool was used to run the query. And this is one of the things I absolutely love about things like App Insights, yes. what the query was, the query text and the performance stats around running that query or executing that query. These are critical pieces. And uh, the more and more we come to depend on Azure Monitor, the more we need to understand about who's using it, who ran that giant select star query, right? Yeah. So, Back to the days of our, our SQL databases, um, say a couple of years ago, um, <laughs> one or two, right? Um, one of the things that we have to make sure we do 
is well-designed data queries as well. Yeah. Uh, no different than KQL because in Azure, we're limited by capacity and we're limited by throughput. So we have certain allowable um, uh, uh, query parameters that are allowed to be returned, certain sizes of data set, the speed it runs, all that stuff. So we can run the diagnostics on those now by enabling the diagnostics logs in Azure and actually see who's doing those things. Um, really great, great advancement and in GA as well. Yeah, in GA. Although I have to say that, I don't know if you noticed, but if you go into the docs, it still says it's in preview. Uh, it's okay. I, it's go I did notice that. It's going, it's going to, to, to be updated uh, very soon. Uh, probably it's on the CICD uh, tube, like you mentioned, right? <laughs> that AKA it's pipeline. <laughs> the spaghetti noodle. Exactly. Of and, and you have a lot of things. So you have a lot of audit data that you can see that you can collect from. So it's mm -hmm. pretty good regarding that. Although there are some, some considerations, I don't know if this is applicable for the GA again because we are supporting this on the, the, the information that is available. But for example, the performance statistics, it's not available for queries that they are coming from the Azure Data Explorer proxy, okay? Yeah. So again, the docs say that this is in preview. We don't know if that, but that is for me, the most important part that I got from, from, this, um, from this update. And I think it's, it's worth mentioning on the on the podcast right absolutely yeah the the constant evolution of azure monitor is uh nothing short of amazing so it's really cool to talk about those things uh, i i enjoy them absolutely but it's not the same it's not the same we have another one oh, not the same no it's, it's a good segue public review now on the azure monitor action rules it's now alert processing rules so this is a name change, okay, uh, that we add. They are renaming these action rules to alert processing rules, which makes more sense, okay, I have to it say. Does. Uh, 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 it's one of the good renaming that uh, Microsoft did uh, because now you have a possibility of, in this public preview, besides the renaming, they are having some updates, some additional updates. So the, the, on the wizard, using the wizard, you have now the possibility of standard of creating an editable portal experience, which is nice. Uh, way more easier navigation as everything that is being updated. Uh, Microsoft is well known for the next, next finish. So this is, <laughs> this is one of them. Uh, and it's, it's the marvelous of having the GUI interface, right? Do you want to cover every, any other thing that you you think that is important? Um, well, I really like the improvements around uh, the time zone support for some of the scheduling. So scheduling, uh, changing rule priority levels uh, based on time zone and time of day. That's a really, really cool update. Um, you know, they tuck these little one-liners in here sometimes, but they're massive. So. This is the kind of thing that we can do to help schedule, you know, office hours versus after hours for running processing rules on on uh, uh, on the data coming in and on the alerts coming into Azure Monitor, right? So 
that can really help us uh, kind of build out our own uh, service desk if we're building a knock, those kinds of things, right? So really helps to build the team's flexibility and adjust for human behaviors as well, because now we can go in and edit a schedule and change the behavior of how the alerting is working, right? Yeah. Um, really, really cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Moving to the next one, uh, and this one you have uh, a little bit of information as well, is the public preview of measure product effect effectiveness with new user analytics experience in application insights. Uh, this basically what it, what it's again, it's, it's Azure monitor. So we are on the Azure monitor week, let's call it this way. Uh, right. I think so. I think so. It, 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 it earns that, that, uh, that kind of title for this week podcast. Um, but it's based on a lot of monitoring offering. And one of them is the new art workbook. And I think, well, I've been, I, I want to interject there. It's not new. So heart has been used in application assessment for quite a while. Yes. Right. But, uh, so I, I guess I just have to dive right in. So <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting, Sorry. I was, uh... I got excited and, and then I tried to pull back, but it was too late. I was already falling. Yes. <laughs> so in this case, Part is happiness, engagement, adoption, retention, and task uh, something, task success, I yes. think. So this goes back way back to my app dev days. <laughs> but basically, we want to drive everything towards happiness, right? So that's the top of our chain. We want to feed everything up. So being able to kind of work within the heart framework within um, the application insights it's going to be used as the framework to measure the data coming into App Insights against our application that we're monitoring. So now we can see, hey, our users might be feeling impatient when they use our application based on these critical factors found in the Application Insights data. So this is a really freaking cool uh, way to actually kind of overlay that data. And that's one of the things I love workbooks for. Um, the workbooks within Azure translate across so many of the product and service offerings. It's just mind boggling. Um, the framework of workbooks themselves, uh, so useful, but with the heart workbook, this is really going to allow us to, um, deeply examine, and I should say this is in preview, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I'm excited about it because the framework coming out is very, uh, it's a bit familiar to me, yeah. but it's something close to It was to introduced heart. by Google in this case, although exactly. it's a new workbook inside of Azure, inside of application insights. And that's the part it that I was, I was mentioned, right? but this is, this is something that is based on Google's heart, um, the framework and, and it's really powerful. Like, like you mentioned. So from everything, from the adoption, from the engagement and, and, and all of that, it's, it's a framework that is very successful that now they are bringing this into App Insights, uh, which is, as we already mentioned several times over here, it's, it's, we are fan of it. It saves us a lot of time of plugging in in this case, 
uh, applications to get more insight of what's what's going on on the very in this case uh, uh, synthetic transactions for example that was a nightmare i remember my times with scom and other other monitoring applications it was a nightmare to get that right this makes the life so simpler and the way that you can granular get those um uh, information and those details about those synthetic transactions it's it's behind this world uh, and again they are still improving and now bringing what is really known as this google heart framework into app insights that's again it's public preview as you can see we are excited we we'll be talking about this but it's 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 pretty cool uh because even for us that we are it guys and we are not developers you don't need to be a developer um to just implement monitoring with synthetic transactions to let and i have a lot of a lot of stories about this that i can come to to developers saying hey i'm seeing this error this for example um uh, 502 error uh, whatever it is error that it doesn't show uh on on the front end but it's on the back end and this is triggering a lot of other errors that makes the application yeah. slow and now i can come with authority saying this is the error this is the method this is kind of the stack that is happening solve it okay because yeah. it's it's impacting the application and it's it's powerful Absolutely. yeah it gives us a way to be able to measure and predict user outcomes based on actual monitoring data so uh we know we don't get everything's okay alerts right uh homer simpson's everything's okay fire alarm probably not a big not a big sheller <laughs> but if it ever shuts off uh wow are we ever in big trouble right yeah um i i joke a little bit but that is one of the challenges in the monitoring world right is you know how do we filter out the everything's okay alerts and uh this framework actually helps us to kind of present that in a more usable more human way so that we can do our analysis and troubleshooting a little bit more uh, concisely. So I, th I think it's absolutely amazing. Now, I think you've saved kind of the best one, maybe for last. I don't know if it's the best one, but it's pretty awesome. Yeah, you, you did an I, I I got excited again. So in public preview, FS Logics profiles support for Azure AD joined virtual machines for Azure virtual desktop i i cannot this say better. one I cannot say better I have this say. one is really really exciting <laughs> it's it's a little bit thin but when we think about fs logics it's often put in front of uh, a lot of kind of um uh like very large pro, uh, profile storage essentially right yeah. so for uh desktop virtualization sorry for some reason the word got away from me but those those fs logics user profiles are now supported on uh, Azure AD joined uh, AVD implementations. Like, okay, so preview, right? So don't put it yes. in prod, oh my gosh, but absolutely test this out in your dev environment and understand how this works. So many businesses are well invested into FS Logic solutions because they provide increased security, reliability, manageability, all of the big sales spiel that we hear about, right? 
but there's a reason it's popular. It works really well. So continued expansion into Azure, continued adoption within Azure, really exciting stuff. I know uh, a lot of uh, virtual desktop and virtualization people that are going to be very happy to hear about this. Absolutely. And you know, from all the things that, that this app and, and we highly recommend you to see the blog post, right? For me, it was always a nightmare. Uh, it was, and this removes that necessity of having a domain controller on the session hosts, okay? Yeah. And the network shares. It, this is like, why in the name of God, we have Azure AD joined VMs, right? And they are on the on the VDI on on the AVD, and why we still need domain controllers because of the in this case uh, the session host VM and the network share. So this removes that for me. That's why I was clapping. I know that is still in public preview, um, but uh, again, I'm really excited about this. But this removes that that requirement. That is huge. Huge because AVD right now you can have the Azure AD joint, so it means that you don't need anymore the Windows Server Active Directory, the directory service. So why in the name of God do you need to deploy, for example, on the subscription or whatever it is that you need a domain controller, or it's because it's not only one. You always need it has to, to be on the same VNet as well. Exactly. That's the thing. And, and that's, yeah. that's the thing. It's like, why you need an extra uh, 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 kind of yeah. infrastructure for something? Well, zero, yeah. Well, Zero Trust tells us don't do that. Exactly. And then the requirements for some of these um, um, services, uh, and again, it's in preview, but that, you know, they would, they would recommend, hey, you know, you have to have a controller on the same VNet as this. So I also want to give, in this case, uh, a little bit of a shout out, thank you to the Docs team, Microsoft Docs team. Yes. Because the article linked out of that blog post for create a profile container with Azure files and Azure Active Directory, freaking amazing. It is. Every, absolutely every thing you need to deploy this using CLI and PowerShell is in the first article. You don't have to read the whole book. It's right in the first article. Yes. You can do it in your dev test, uh, have a bit of a play with it. Uh, I think it'll take some time to set it up, but um, it's a really cool thing. And this can really make, again, uh, you know, the last one we were talking about measuring user satisfaction. How do we predict, you know, user outcomes based on data? This contributes to that. Again, you know, good end user focus this week with Azure Monitor. Um, really fantastic, um, amazing releases. Um, thank you for letting me ramble on. You're very <laughs> welcome. You're very welcome, my friend. <laughs> because it's it's really important, and it's not only that. Okay, it's like, uh, of course, that with that you optimize the cost because now you have less infrastructure that needs to support your AVD in this case a deployment. You can simplify the deployment by enhancing the management of Intune. Because now it's Azure AD that is that is managing those 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 VMs and a lot of those type of things that you have regarding these these profiles using FS Logic uh, that support Azure AD join uh, VMs. It's it's tremendous. Okay, it's it's literally tremendous 
all of this. Um, and with that, we come to uh, the final of, of our uh, podcast for this uh, week. And I have to thank you once again for making this possible. Um, we, we made it after the 58 times that we tried to record this this week but that's <laughs> we're just oh kidding okay we're just kidding this was like the third uh something yeah, like that third or fourth, third or yeah, fourth. I had some software issues yeah and, uh challenges know, not the... issues challenges that we overcome well, uh, because yeah, we true. we did finish the podcast so uh, everything Absolutely. sorted out um and i just want to say that and to reiterate and again if you grab at this point in time don't forget to support us by subscribing, by liking or not liking. Uh, we we love your uh, if if it's even it's up or down. Thumbs okay. up, thumbs down. Drop a comment. Drop a comment. Uh, uh, and yeah, tell us about your holiday plans. I know everybody's exactly. getting ready to travel again and all of these good things. And uh, you know, we just want to also say from the very bottom of our heart, thank you very much for joining us and. Uh, if we don't see you before everything kind of goes down, happy holidays and a Merry Christmas. And we look forward to seeing you again. Absolutely. But don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to give us your love. And I hope I can see you next week. Bye for now. <laughs>